Yeah, welcome to Anarchists and Androids. I'm Parenthesis I, and I'm joined with Logar the Barbarian. And today we'll be talking about the first three episodes of the new HBO Max series, The Last of Us. So do you have any frame of reference coming into this series of what it's about? Like there's like a video game oh. and everything. Are you yeah. familiar with that? Yeah, it's based on a video game, and I have no experience with that video game. <laughs> <laughs> I have no experience with video games. That's not true. I did play Frogger in the arcade back in the day and some Mario Brothers and Tetris. But my video games, like, I didn't grow up playing video games. We didn't have the money oh. for the Nintendo or the Atari. We did have Pong. We had Pong. Remember the Pong paddles? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> my experience in the past of uh, video games was, like, Atari and then mm -hmm. Nintendo and then Super Nintendo. And then I kind of aged out of video games after that. Well, we, we did get a Nintendo. We saved up for it. We had this big jar, like a like a pretzel jar. When I was growing up, and we we were like, we wanted a Nintendo. My parents were like, it's too expensive. You got to save up your own money and buy it. So we saved up the money. But by the, by the time we had money to buy the Nintendo, there was already Super Nintendo. But that's also how we were able to afford getting a Nintendo. Oh, he got like a, a second rate, like used one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so we yeah. got the we got Darkwing Duck. And then my family growing up, we got the... The Bible stories game with it as well were the two first games we got with the Mario Brothers, the Darkwing Duck oh. one in Bible stories. <laughs> What's well, since you have experience with like Mario Brothers, you might be interested in that Mario Brothers movie coming out. The Mario Brothers movie that 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 uh, I don't think I want to. I mean, I, if I was going to watch it for anarchists and androids, I go to the theater or watch it early. But otherwise, I'm going to wait for it for streaming. It's not. Yeah. really... <laughs> I, I'm aware of Mario. I've played it, but it's not like. A, of the Mario fandom, everybody even oh, understand yeah. it. <laughs> you don't do Mario cosplay. <laughs> oh, so anyways, it's based on a video game. We're not familiar with it, so that gives me no frame of reference coming into this. But looking yeah. at it, I see elements that seem like what I assume are video game elements throughout the show. Yeah. There's lots yeah. of like, like running into a room, stock up on weapons. Here's all the weapons you need. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like of the zombie genre too so yeah. i guess people immediately compare it to walking dead which i also haven't seen <laughs> yeah i've never seen an episode of walking dead either I've seen yeah it. yeah so, <laughs> so really no frame of reference <laughs> uh, here's the thing i'm gonna i'm gonna say my my zombie uh when i was coming up as a kid you know i had the fangoras and i loved like dawn of the dead night of the living dead zombie movies i had some affinity for some of the horror uh, sometime in the early 2000s, I, I had a I, I saw the remake of Dawn of the Dead. And after seeing the film, I decided I didn't want to watch any more zombie movies ever again. Uh, oh. That's how I felt about it. <laughs> so I kind of didn't have any more interest in zombie movies or a zombie TV show. I yeah. later discovered that it was Zack Snyder who had done that. And I just kind of feel the same way about most of the films he puts out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think. My favorite zombie thing previously was watching the movie World War Z, that Brad Pitt zombie movie. I've not seen that. Like I said, yeah. <laughs> I oh, yeah. gave up on zombie movies. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, that's oh, a zombie in it. I got no way. I, I'm not 100% opposed to watching zombie films. I would watch them. But my interest is 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 decades in the past. But oh, yeah. <laughs> I like something about the zombies in here. I think it's interesting. Oh, yeah, because they're fungus-based zombies instead of virus-based or bacteria-based zombies. Yeah, so really the, <laughs> the thing is there's a, the, is the evolution of this fungi and, and, and looking at it and 
the essentially this fungus becoming the dominant species on the planet over human beings is what's happening. Yeah. Oh, because of climate change. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And and people have talked about that too with like Antarctica and like, you know, northern uh Canada and Russia with it being warmed up and stuff that like really old bacteria and you know fungus other things could like come out and spread around the world and change life forever. Yeah, and change who the dominant <laughs> life life form of, what the dominant life form on the planet is. It seems what it's done here. There's a whole new species. It's not doesn't care about the things we've built. It, it has its own material needs to meet. Yeah. And uh, the things that we valued uh, don't matter to that life form. <laughs> yeah. And they seem to communicate through like a mycelial network. And to Which use the Star Trek Discovery's phrase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I like that. It's like they have the, the internet already built into their evolution or something, you know, the, the automatic mm. communication through the their underground network of, of, of mycelia. mycelia? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so it is like an interconnected species then in that sense. Mm -hmm. So maybe kind of like ants or bees, maybe similar to like a hive mentality mm -hmm. or swarms they have. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting now. And I think that I want to point out that perhaps humanity is as well, more so than we give ourselves credit for being. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, our, our mycelial network for human beings is the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> And we had, and before the internet, we had other technologies to do that with. Uh, we, we, you know, we had the carriers, we had like, 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 like uh, messengers and stuff like that. We just communicated a different way. Uh, television, radio, or things that we invented to do that. We didn't evolve to do that automatically. This is a species that evolved to be able to do that. That's something we had to create because of the need for it as an innate ability built into your species it kind of gives you an edge or an advantage maybe <laughs> oh yeah and i think i remember hearing that like one of the creators of this uh was inspired by like some nature documentary of an ant that mm -hmm. there is a real life fungus can, that can <clears throat> like control the ant basically and turn it into a zombie ant <laughs> yeah and they talk about that at the beginning of i think it's the first episode he starts talking oh. about that when they're talking about uh fear of disease in 1988 is i believe is when it was when it started I could be wrong on that date. It could have been 98, but I thought it was 88. Anyways, <laughs> one thing I want to bring up, and I'm skipping way ahead, is I'm going to point out that that I would I am not telling people that this is like the greatest series I've ever seen or anything like that. It's, oh, it's yeah. okay. Because but episode four can come out and just like ruin everything. <laughs> episodes one and two are good. I don't think any of it's as good as the third episode. That's oh, yeah. Everybody's totally been agree. talking about that one episode. That one hour of TV is really solid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen like one friend like describe it as like the best new television in years. It's that yeah. third episode. Yeah. That that third episode is one of the best pieces of television. And it, it makes me stop and look at what's going on with TV stuff that there is more uh, film used to be the place where you'd go for the great artistic expressions of film. Well, now TV seems to be a better place for some of that to occur. You got more time to tell the story. You can focus on different things a little longer. Yeah. It works. It works real well. So we'll get to that yeah. when we get to that. Let's talk about <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. So for Firefly, oh, no, yeah, Firefly. That's one thing I wanted to mention. Zombie apocalypse happens. It takes over, like, destroys, like, civilization around the world. So we kind of return into a theme from Station Eleven here. Yes. <laughs> that was a, a virus. Now it's zombie and fungus. <laughs> but the same effect of, like, civilization being destroyed. And in the United States, it seems like the United States government 
still remains, at least in theory, but it seems like this FEDRA, the Federal Disaster Response Agency, is kind of like the authoritarian Nazis, as one guy <laughs> described him, that runs the government in the US. And then there's a rebel group, Firefly. <laughs> and I was happy to see that name because it reminds me of the Firefly TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I like that TV show. I, I didn't watch it till it was all over and someone gave it to me on DVD and I sat down oh. and watched them all. Yeah, yeah, same with me. <laughs> Luckily, I, I watched the whole series before the movie came out. So it was kind of exciting when the movie came out, Serenity. I was like, yay! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, Serenity was included in the DVD package when I got it. So. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I I did catch it. I was still in the Marine Corps, and one of the gunnies was like, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. He was a big sci-fi genre buff type person as well. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about, you know, Doctor Who and Firefly, <laughs> those things, <Yeah. laughs> like, like you and I do. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, they never really show. I mean, they, they do show some Firefly people in episode two, but they're dead. So yeah. it doesn't really count. <laughs> so they said something interesting, I thought, about this. So they said fighting for 20 years, you're not a rebellion. You're just spray painting. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and now we're remembering they also have Firefly people in episode one, too. Yeah. But and I think it's Firefly, the rebel organization that like has the main character, Joel, who's played by Pedro Pascal <laughs> from Mandalorian fame. Uh, I think the Firefly arranged him to meet up with the little girl who has the immunity to the zombie fungus disease. Yes. Uh, now, let's talk about that because Pedro Pascal is amazing and I'm really a big fan of his lately here. <laughs> yeah, and this is another story of Pedro Pascal like traveling and getting into adventures with a child with him. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. We got our baby yeah. Yoda here. We yeah. got her in the form of the, the chosen one child who is immune yeah. to the zombie disease. Very like... <laughs> I, I'm picking up very video game heavy vibes from a lot of this stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially in episode one when like they're in the truck and they're driving the truck around and stuff and there's zombies and planes crashing and all that stuff. It totally reminds oh, yeah. me of a video game. So like what we're seeing is a collapse of civilization. The state's still there. So like as an anarchist, I'm going to say this is not an example of anarchism that we see at all. Oh, this yeah. is the opposite <laughs> of what we preach. Oh, especially yeah, the authoritarian Fedra, you know, that's. Yeah. Oh, and then they revealed, like, in episode three, that, like, at one point, the government was just, like, killing innocent people in mass because they were afraid of them becoming zombies. Mm -hmm. So they thought it's better to just kill people instead of, like, have the risk of them becoming zombies. So let's, uh, let's, one and two are, are good. It's interesting. They present something there that's worth looking at when it comes to talking of, like, uh, organization, order of society and stuff like that and how we order society. There's some things in there to think about. But I'm going to jump ahead to that third episode because that's really <laughs> yeah. where like the best stuff lies. Oh, yeah. And this is why I'm wondering so much about episode four. Are they going to keep up that greatness or is it going to like go down in quality? <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming that that episode stands alone as it is, because it's a story about characters that we don't see through the rest of the show. It focuses on someone else, their shared experience, a very human yeah. story about love, survival, how people respond to these things. What's interesting is Nick Offerman's character in here. His name's Nick Offerman. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, who plays Bill. Yes. So Bill, Nick Offerman's character, has created this compound. Now, 
as a survivalist, or he seems to have his Gadsden flag up there. So I'm assuming, you know, oh, yeah. kind of a kind of that. At this time in 2003, we're looking at what, like 9/11's an inside job, early Alex oh, yeah. Jones stuff that was. Happening. Oh, so this is. <laughs> yeah, this is pre-Anarcho Poco. <laughs> yeah, pre-Anarcho Poco, pre. Pre MAGA and everything else, MAGA yeah. never happens because 2003, the world is wiped out. <laughs> yeah. But he's a, he calls himself, a, he's like, Oh, you're a prepper, I'm a survivalist. Now, he has an entire compound he has upkept himself. That's quite an accomplishment. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but that is a full time job and more. And some of those things, you're probably going to need a little help accomplishing that he's doing there. <laughs> yeah, because he's doing it <clears throat> like all by himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he did take over like a Home Depot, I think. <laughs> yes. The Home Depot is a very helpful thing to have in this. You can when you, when the apocalypse comes, go straight for the Home Depot and take the damn thing over. <laughs> You've got the garden I, section full of plants you're gonna be able to plant and eat. You've got the tools and the lumber you're gonna need. You got the concrete. Boy, you're set. <laughs> well, I wonder if Home Depot's a sponsor for the show then <laughs> of The Last of Us. <laughs> It's like gear stores that go loot, you know, when the society collapses. <laughs> well, there was a lot of stuff going on with the home. There are a lot of talks about the Home Depot being this like and 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 uh, hardware stores as essential businesses during the shutdowns we had in 2020. And, and there was a lot of activity around them. And as we saw, you know, one of the things that is kind of needed are the basic tools uh, and building materials to keep things going. That is a very essential thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I think the the guy in episode three that uh, Bill played by was it Nick Offerman, yes. like he he meets this other guy who's kind of like a liberal Democrat <laughs> who like <laughs> falls into a trap, you know, that he has around the compound, uh, and his name is Frank. And I think the actor that plays Frank was uh, in season one of White Lotus that I also oh, recently really? watched. Yeah, <laughs> I have not seen White Lotus yet. <laughs> oh yeah. What would you say? It's kind of like making it's, it reminds me actually of the menu that we talked about before. Yes. Like of yeah, like wealthy people and stuff that go to like <laughs> a wealthy place to like relax and enjoy and all that. Oh maybe we have to tackle the white lotus. But I, uh, I, yeah. Uh, now I, I think there's an interesting an interesting exchange, speaking of, of wealth and value. When when they're in the house, uh Frank notices a piano there. Oh yeah. He says, You know how that how much that thing's worth? And I believe his response is currently nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because money has no meaning anymore. In this the society. value of an object, like like without the kinds of markets out there where where people would purchase those things, there's not a whole lot of people rushing to buy a, a piano that they have to put in their house and lug around and everything else. That's not exactly a high priority in survival. Yeah, well, it does seem like the United or FEDRA or the U.S. government, I think, I get the impression that it's like various cities that they control, you know, they, with walls and, you know, militarized fortified compounds. But then I think surrounding the cities is what they call the, the QZ, the quarantine zone. And so it's like there's a caste system, you know, like the more higher class people are inside the city and the lower class people are in the compound. And then you're like, there's the people outside the spectrum altogether, you know, that are just in the wild lands where there's zombies running around. Looking at that, that shows kind of how, the power of the state, the power of the government is that that monopoly on violence. The state can be present, but it has to have a way to enforce itself through these jackboot thugs wandering the street, essentially. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> so without the presence of of the guns of the state, there really isn't a presence of the state anywhere. That's what they provide is enforcing their own dictates. At this point, what are their dictates being enforced to do? Who is it benefiting? You know, well, like humanity is the idea because like they're all afraid of like the zombie virus coming and like just wiping everybody out. And so if anybody's infected, you know, they even show one scene like a little kid, you know, is infected. And he wanders towards like one of those cities areas. And once they tell that like he's infected, they they euthanize him, but they don't shoot him. They do it like really subtly. So you don't really know until like they have the needle injected in the kid that, oh, he's he's out. He's gone. (laughs) The other young woman in this story is the uh, like I said, the chosen one. She's immune to the virus. He's trying to get her to safety. He's heading towards Bill and Frank's. Uh, that's their goal. Like, oh, I'm going to get to Bill and Frank. They have these resources. As we see and learn in the ep- the third episode, they start to share, uh, engage in maybe some kind of low-level mutual aid with the resources they have. He has a lot of resources there, but there are resources he still could use and need, books and medicine being one of them. And as we see them age, that medicine becomes more and more important. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, medicine and drugs and all that. Like it seems like the main character Joel is like a smuggler, and like his whole job is to be able to get people stuff. Be like, yeah, oh, stuff there's a lot of drug dealing going on with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's you know our our beloved drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> he pretty much like at the beginning he's trading with one of the uh, the soldiers, the the government uh, jackboots, the guns. Yeah. Or uh, was it Oxycontin? No, it wasn't Oxycontin. It was something similar, some sort of a pharmaceutical like that. Yeah. I couldn't tell if it was an upper or a downer. I, they said what it was, and I can't. He said these Oxy. It's not Oxy. It's it's something similar. I can't remember what they said now. It's it slipped my mind. But anyways, so he's, like you said, a smuggler, a drug dealer. I, I wonder where we're at with the war on drugs at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, have priorities changed? Is it just out in the open? They are kind of sneaking these. So I'm assuming there's some kind of prohibition still on drugs, some kind of control occurring. Yeah. I mean, I think like the main preoccupation for most everybody is the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like drugs and stuff, it's like, yeah, low priority. Um, I think, that, but with the exchanges going on, there seems to be a high value on them. It seems to be that the way, a way that people are dealing and coping with this newfound nightmarish world we're living in is the drugs yeah yeah i think they mentioned that too like maybe like a downer like uh, oxy right would be uh, to help people get out to sleep because mm-hmm. people have like nightmares of the things that they've seen of people getting killed and torn apart by zombie stuff and they do mention that in the exchange about being able to sleep at night yeah yeah it, it is, there's something interesting going on in there I'm assuming by the exchange that it was that there is still prohibition on a lot of these that you have to get them through other means or that they're outlawed. But that's aside from the point. I want to get back to the love story in episode three and cover some oh, of that. Yeah. Like yeah. Bill and Frank. Yeah, it brings up a lot of good, interesting questions. And and uh Frank's drive to survive as well as Pedro Pascal's tends to be keeping someone safe or keeping people alive. This uh a sort of uh paternal type figure, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, and so like it was like initially when like uh leaving Boston, <laughs> you had like uh, Pedro Pascal, you know, uh 
his character Joel, and then you have Ellie, played by Bella Ramsey from Game of Thrones fame, and then there was Tess, and who was maybe Joel's girlfriend, but they never really went into it, and uh, but that she died in episode two, and you know, in a dramatic thing, you know, explosion, kill a bunch of zombies, really cool. Very video <laughs> game esque scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dramatic thing, you know, death and all that. But you never really think about it until episode three, when like Bill like says, you know, use all this stuff to keep Tess safe, and like that. I mean, that really like a gut punch there because only then does it really sink in the emotions of like, oh, Tess is dead, and like you know, Joel's grieving, and you never really realize it until then. And we also get a lot of interesting things here because because there's the character himself being I, there's there's some question in my mind about like we're portraying somebody who would often maybe be assumed to be a bigot or something like that by the connotations they're dropping as like a lovable character. It is what it is, I guess, in the writing, but also trying to humanize them. So there may be some questions involved in that. But aside from that, what we get is this human connection between these two men, a wonderfully done gay love story, which is something like going back to like, I lived through the era of people freaking out because there was a kiss on oh, Roseanne, yeah. you know, <laughs> a, a, a lesbian kissed on Roseanne. Like, oh no, oh no, the world freaked out that when Ellen came out on TV, everybody was panicked. And here we are, some of the, some of the better TV I've seen at this point, you know, we've, I think, in a sense, what I see is, in my lifetime, an improvement with some of the problems we had in society when it comes to things like human sexuality. So I think that's a positive, good thing that kind of gives this, makes this a strong episode on its own. Here we have two two pretty rugged, masculine fellers. One of them is that is that uh, that survivalist, you know. And they enter into a very uh, tender relationship. So we're looking at their response to the end of the world and how human responds with not just shooting each other up, but like surviving, helping each other survive, caring for each other, which is a much better and more interesting approach to the zombie apocalypse than a lot of things I've seen. It gets old just seeing people run and shoot zombies after a while. There's oh, yeah. a better story here. <laughs> Oh, and then they have in episode three too, like a raid of by people that are not zombies that just want like all the stuff that Bill has. Yeah, and and that's crazy. He has like his fortified compound, like he has like enough booby traps and electric fences and like flamethrowers and stuff that like he doesn't really have to even do anything and stuff. <laughs> and it just like protects everybody automatically. And you get a few points where you think, oh no, they're gonna die via the regular zombie movie way by the raiders or whatever bad thing occurs but it doesn't happen they take they are able to um leave this earth or pass away or die or, on their own terms they're able to define that at this point and say okay it's time because at the end they end up uh, taking their lives together they they set up a nice evening have a, a wonderful last day but the the song from uh, that old Lou Reed song keeps on popping in my head. It's such oh. a perfect day. I'm yeah. glad I spent it with you. <laughs> that was in Train Spotting too, I think. Was it? Was yeah. I've got that. was that on Transformer the album? I can't remember. I think it may. I got that record over there. It's oh. old. <laughs> Anyway, that's a side point. <laughs> yeah, with Bill and Frank also, it was also kind of like a love 
connection between the left wing and right wing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> was like the right winger, you know, libertarian guy with the flag and all that survivalist. And then Frank was like a urban, liberal, well-cultured person. And so, and it kind of implied like the right wing guy, Bill, like he keeps people alive and all that. He has the guns and all the survival stuff. But then Frank brings the art and the music and the beauty in life and all that. <laughs> but Bill's got some very, uh, some talent when it comes to that piano we see. Oh, yeah. And the, oh, we forgot to talk about the song that they use. Oh, what is the, what was the, okay. I have to, I have to, uh, <laughs> who, it's, 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 what's her name? Oh, poop. Oh, Linda Ronstadt, they said. Yes, the Linda Ronstadt song. I'm going to be honest. I do not. I, 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 I am not as familiar with the song before that. I'm not a big Linda Ronstadt listener. You yeah. Know, had they put in the slits or something like that, I'd been like, oh, I know. That. <laughs> yeah, I think she's a bit before our time. <laughs> yeah. More like our parents' generation kind of thing. But they reference like Linda Ronstadt, Joel does with the... Uh, like Ellie, the character. And of course, the Ellie character, she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> the song's, uh, the song is called Long, Long Time from Linda Ronstadt. What they do is, is, is uh, if you haven't seen it, which I'm assuming people here, we can do spoilers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they play it in the piano. It, it's a reoccurring thing and it plays again towards the end. It wraps up and works well with the story. This episode three, for the most part, there's a bookend beginning and end with Pedro Pascal and his his uh, baby Yoda of the show. But the bulk of the story is between that, between Frank and Bill. And I, I, I think that one thing that it brings up that's interesting to talk about is things like euthanasia, uh, autonomy when it comes to saying, okay, the end of life care and stuff like that. Especially in a time of the apocalypse when you don't have the kind of medical care we have now where... Some of the death sentences could be more horrible. You're probably not going to be able to get like the kind of care that we could have in this current society we have. Do you go on living in pain? Do you live without the, like at this point, Bill has nothing in the world once Frank dies. There's this his everything, his life. Yeah. So they choose to he chooses to end it with his lover and go away. And they they try to be as conscientious about it as possible. They lock themselves in the bedroom. They open the window so it don't stink. And they leave behind a letter and say, okay, here are the things that we have, our material goods you could use. Use it to keep her, keep, you know, he didn't realize she had passed. So use these to keep yourselves alive. <laughs> yeah, I, you want me to like of a, a meme I saw on Facebook, like where, like, you can imagine the writers of The Last of Us saying, Okay, we need to get Joel a truck so that he can continue on on his adventures. How are we going to do that? I know. Let's create the best episode of television ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> they begin, he's looking for the battery. He just wants a battery because there's plenty of vehicles, but you need a working battery because we're not really cranking out batteries from the battery factory anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I learned something too, like how like batteries, like they corrode and stuff. And so that's why like he has the components to make your own battery in a refrigerator. Yeah. And he has generators to run the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any other things uh, like I, the Bill and Frank, you'll probably talk about for a while, but I think we're coming close on time. Are there any other elements that you wanted to bring up before we get to, because we're going to be coming, we're about oh, yeah. two or three minutes away. 
Oh, just the only element would, oh yeah, like uh, how in episode two, they, they go to an American Revolutionary War Museum and that's, oh, they come across all these zombie stuff and just like the contrast of like old American history stuff and like the current zombie apocalypse was such a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the American Revolutionary War, it seems like almost like prehistoric times, you know, when you have like that context of zombies. Oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, hmm. Uh, Makes me think for a minute. <laughs> there was some interesting things said at the very beginning uh, about the zombie apocalypse and stuff like that. And it brought me back to Night of the Living Dead and the concept of the zombies to begin with. And one of the things that Night of the Living Dead kind of did with this is there in Dawn of the Dead, especially going to the mall, is there was some sort of commentary on mass consumption, capitalism, consumerism, are just almost, I would say, just uh, even hegemony to a sense, are just eating up and playing that role, even in death, people return to the mall, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> in this, they're different than those classic Romero zombies in that they are they are it is a fungus fighting to survive fighting to consume us using us for a food source so there's a slight different uh thing that could be said with just by changing the style of the zombies we're looking at if that makes sense yeah yeah and then also i was gonna say like how uh the two main characters that have survived <laughs> here uh <laughs> they are heading out to wyoming to meet up with uh, joel's brother and so I just want to say Wyoming is the promised land. <laughs> and they are the they are the, <laughs> they are the two main characters who are the last of us. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nick Offerman doesn't make it to be the last because you know they doesn't make it through the end. And it's sad. And I, I, I teared up a little bit a few times during that episode. <laughs> Every episode, like this kind of like a main character, so to speak, has died because Joel had an actual biological daughter and she died in the first episode. Oh, and there then was, Tess, yeah. Yeah. And then Tess died in the second episode. And now like uh, the uh, Frank and Bill died in the third episode. And thus the last of us. Yeah. Yeah. They... <laughs> I've enjoyed it so far. And I will say like kind of in closing that it's a good show so far. But episode three if if you're not going to watch the show, just watch episode three, because it is one of the better hours of television in a while. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just been getting better with every episode so far. <laughs> well, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, that's it. Then. Where can folks find you on the interwebs? Oh, yeah, I'm on parenthesisi.blogspot.com and at parenthesisi on Mastodon. And you can find me at the daily podcast, Wild Blues and Wizards, for a bit more. Um, probably wherever this is coming out and you're listening to this, you can find it. And as always, oh, everyone has their own rebellion. <laughs>